Welcome to The Bull and the Bear, a money and markets podcast. We give you the advice you need to know to make investing safe and profitable. With The Bull and the Bear podcast, you'll get exclusive access to some of the top thinkers, analysts, advisors, and gurus in the investment business. And now for your hosts, Matt Clark and Charles Sizemore. And welcome to another episode of the Bull and the Bear podcast. Uh, I'm Matt Clark. Glad you are uh, are with us on this extended holiday weekend. Hope everyone is is enjoying. I just want to remind everyone that we are on a, a bevy of, of, of podcast providers now. Apple Podcasts, we are on Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, we are just added iHeartRadio podcasts as well uh, just the other day. So make sure you check out any of those, whatever your your favorite uh, podcast listening, uh, uh, listening apparatus happens to be. Give us a review. Uh, give us a comment. Would love to uh, to hear from you. Uh, and uh, we'll also have our email address uh, in, in the show notes. Uh, you can email us as well. We welcome those comments uh, at, at any time. But again, it is a holiday weekend. Uh, markets are uh, going to be closing up uh, in a couple of hours, and then everyone will be able to enjoy a three day break from what has been. I don't even know what to call it. I, 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 I don't, is volatility even the right word at this point to call what the markets have been this week? I mean, we start up Monday with with huge gains. Yeah, I, and and it's just it's just slid backwards from there, and markets were up this morning. Now they're down, and it's just a, a, a it's just a, who knows what's really going on. But today we're going to take a little bit different uh, a little bit different tone, and 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 I'm going to bring in uh, Charles Sizemore, contributor for Money and Markets, and then Money Markets uh, chief uh, 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 chief investment strategist. I'll spit your title out, Adam Odell, uh, to come in, and and today I want to focus on options. And I know that for a lot of investors, first off, the market to especially a new investor may seem uh, rather daunting just because there's so many factors at play. There's so many things to look at. There's so many things that could go, way more things can go wrong than what could go right if you're not using the right methodology, the right service, talking to the right professionals, things like that. The guys like Adam who can steer you in the right direction, um, you know, or if you go it alone, maybe you get lucky maybe uh, it's it's kind of a coin flip so so the market seems kind of daunting when you first start and, and there and there's no question of that uh, but if you get deeper into the weeds in, into the intricacies of, of of trading obviously there's your regular day-to-day buying and selling stocks and and buying and holding or, or day trading or, or whatever whatever you happen to be into and that can be you know, that, that in and of itself may seem like a, a, just overwhelming to anyone. And I think it's one of the reasons why you don't see a high percentage of Americans playing the stock market, because it does seem on the surface rather difficult. And we'll talk about why it doesn't have to be here in a minute. But to, to drill down even deeper, you know, one way, one part of the market that is really intriguing to a lot of people, but I think it's, one of the, again, one of those things where they're really afraid to dip their toe in the water, um, and, and that is options. Um, options is a completely different ball game uh, aside from just buying and selling stock. It's it, you know there's there's different ways to look at it. There's different metrics to use. Um, the the lingo is completely different when you're trading options as opposed to just just trading stock across the board. So just when you look at that, that just seems even worse. That, that you just look at that and go, well, there's no way I'm going to figure all this out. But really, I don't think it has to be that hard. And, and I and I'm glad that I have you two on today because I think you uh, you both agree with me that it's not that difficult. I think people make a mountain out of a molehill when it comes to deciding how to trade options. But the first question I want to ask, and I'll toss this up to, to Charles, to Adam, to both of you, is first off, one of the misnomers is that options are extremely risky plays for investors to make, that you have the, the, the possibility of losing 
tons of money if you are in options. So first I'll ask Adam, is that, I, I, you know, I know the answer, but I want you to explain, is that true? Are options as risky as, as people believe them to be? Now, it's certainly a misnomer, and, and like a lot of misnomers, it's, it's grounded in a bit of truth and a whole lot of fiction. Um, one of the analogies I've used to describe options is there's nothing inherently uh, risky with options per se. That would be like saying that there's uh, that all boats are inherently risky, that it's just a, an idiotic idea to get on a boat and go out onto the water. That's not true. Obviously, there are some types of boats, those speed boats that you see flip backwards up into the air and tumble backwards. Those types of boats, when used by inexperienced uh, people, can be very risky. And the same thing happens with options. Uh, but on the other hand, if you have a 180-foot motor yacht that's captained by a captain with you know, 50 years of experience or whatnot, there's nothing inherently risky about that particular boat. So you can't, it's, a, it's, a fair, it's an unfair generalization to say all options trading is risky. In fact, options can give you um, risk limiting techniques and, and it's a tool that you can use to limit your risk that buying stock outright can't give. So when used correctly, it can actually be a, a risk reducing tool rather than risk increasing. Charles, you see it the same way? Yeah, I do. Uh, it, it comes down to how you use them. Um, options, I would say, are you for more people. Uh, options can be used for speculation, of course. It can also be used for risk reduction. But most importantly, and this this gets to what Adam does, options give you the ability to define the risk you're taking. If you want, to, it, it's it lets you quantify it and take exactly the amount of risk you want to take. So, are they risky? Well, they're exactly as risky as you want them to be. Now explain that a little further. Let's 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 dive a little deeper into that because I think that that that, that kind of glazes over the top of, of of risk management when it comes to options. When you say that you know you are you can define your own risk basically. Tell me, you know, and this is for either of you. Tell me exactly what does that mean? If I'm a new investor and and, I, and you tell me that, explain that a little further. Yeah, I'll jump on that one. Um, or no, go ahead, Adam. Go ahead. So basically, I mean, there's a couple things you can look at. Uh, first of all, you define your risk when you put the trade on. And that's a little bit um, unique r relative to stock purchases. Um, and what I mean by that is when you when you buy stock outright, you're often buying 100 shares at a time or more. You want to put in a 100 share order. Um, you usually have to use a stop loss order because you don't want to lose your entire investment in that 100 shares of stock. Let's say it's a $100 um, price per share stock and you buy 100 shares, you're in it for 10 grand. If you don't want to lose that full 10 grand, then what most traders will do is put a stop loss order in and says, if this goes down by 20%, then sell me out. Well, I've written before, stop loss orders are not fail proof. You can have a gap through the stop. You can get a bad fill on illiquid stocks if you use a stop. So that's you basically, when you buy stock outright, you cannot guarantee that you won't lose more than you really want to lose. When you buy an option contract, which I'll note, you know, often option contracts are only a couple hundred dollars, $200, $250, $400. Um, you basically cannot ever lose more than you've invested in that option. So you can size your position a lot more uh, conservatively if you'd like. Again, it's risking only several hundred dollars rather than tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, and you don't have to worry about uh, the gaps. So that's, that's one reason why uh, options trading is actually less risky, even for speculative directional bets than buying stock outright. 
And it make and it makes sense to 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 look at options, especially whenever you know I, I say this over and over again to people who are are looking to invest or or trying to figure out what to do. Is I say, okay, don't risk any more than you are willing to lose. If you are willing to lose a thousand dollars, then do not put any more in the market than a thousand dollars. In however way you do it, whether you're buying ETFs, whether you're buying REITs, whether you're in mutual funds, whether you're buying straight across stocks, whether you're in options, doesn't matter. Only put in what you're willing to risk, what you're willing to just part ways with. Um, then you know you don't you're you're not going to be damaged so much if if the losses do do you are incur you are you do incur the losses. Options is exactly that strategy to a T. Yes, I mean that's that's exactly how it works, right? Yeah, in fact, we we assume that on uh, a small percentage of our trades, we assume that we are going to lose the full debit or the full cost of that option. And for me, I'd rather go into a strategy with that assumption and knowing that I can come out the other side, even if that assumption holds true, meaning even if on a small percentage of our trades, we do lose 100%, that we can still come out of the other side of those losing trades with uh, still have capital, still have net profits overall. I'd much rather go into a strategy that way than to not make that assumption. And if something you know ha bad happens, then you do lose a lot more than you're, than you're bargained for or that you're planning for. So um, yeah, for me, that's, that's really one of the key advantages of options. Now, Charles, I'll, I'll ask you, uh, you know, is there a certain threshold that an investor should have when they're looking at options? I mean, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, you can invest too much. I mean, you can go overboard. Is there, a, is there a limit? Say, if I'm a new investor and I say, Charles, I'm looking at options and, and I want to invest in options, um, how much money should I put into it? What, what would you tell me if I asked you that question, Charles? Well, before I answer that, I would I would back up um, on one point. I mean, Adam touched on this. I would just elaborate a little. Yeah, he mentioned if if you're buying a hundred shares of stock, that's a big outlay. Like you're having to put a lot of capital up to make that trade, whereas one option contract is for one hundred shares. Like that's, that, that's how that works. So the cash outlay for a given uh, dollar investment size is much smaller with options. So you're, you're putting up less money up front. The, the risky aspect is you have to be very confident in your trade because there is a time component to it, whereas with a, a stock market investment can be open-ended. You can buy the stock and hold it for 20 years if you want, whereas options have a finite life. So you have to be more, more confident in the timing of your trade. But uh, in, in the sense of you know, how much dollar, you know, what, what is the dollar amount you're putting at risk, you're able to control a larger position size with a much smaller initial outlay. So in that, in that respect, I, I agree completely, options are actually less risky if you know what you're doing, if you trade appropriately. Now, as for how much of your portfolio you should have invested, I think you have to look at this on a trade-by-trade -trade basis. You wouldn't put... 75%, even 25, even 10% of your portfolio into a single options trade. That would be crazy because there is, you know, options are, there is a binary aspect. As Adam said, you can lose your initial investment. So you're not going to put some huge amount of money into a single trade. Um, I, I mean, Adam probably has, I, I know he has his own guidelines on this. My rule of thumb is I wouldn't risk more than a percent or two of my portfolio on any single trade. Okay. All right. That's, I think that's fair. Now this gets, uh, this is where we get uh, a little deeper into things and, and uh, you know, I, I'll go back and use the example. Let's say I am a, a, a new trader, I, a, a new investor. I've, I've never done it before. I have no idea what I'm doing. Adam, walk me through what an options trade is like. 
Yeah, I mean, it sounds complicated. Um, there are more variables and there's more terminology or, or jargon lingo around options. But truly, placing a trade is no different, uh, is no more complex, really, than placing a trade on shares of stock. Okay, so you're going to type in the symbol, you're going to tell them how many contracts you want to purchase, and you're going to hit the buy button. Um, you can either buy at the market and you'll get the best available market price according to the market maker, or you can set a limit price. A limit price is a great tool to use whether you're trading options or stocks. Basically, a limit price is, as the name suggests, you're going to limit the amount of money, amount of capital that you're willing to put into that trade. So if you uh, want to limit the amount of, of money that you put into a certain options trade at $300, you would put in a limit order for $300 or $3 per contract. And if the market can fill you at that limit price or better, meaning at a lower price, it'll fill you. And if it can't, it can't. So that's another good, um, just an order entry technique. But um, that's true for stocks and options. But but really, I mean, all you're all you're looking to do when you're trading options in my style of options trading, which is mainly what I do in Cycle Nine Alert, is you're looking to buy an option contract at a price that you think is reasonable. I help you with that, and then we're looking to sell that same option contract two to three months down the road, sometimes four months down the road, for a much higher price. And again, I do all the work for you. I tell you the exact symbol to use um, when you trade options. You need to choose the expiration date. Like how far out into the future do you want that option to expire? The farther out in the future, it gives you more time for the trade to work out for you, but the option is more expensive that way. You also have to use a strike price. The strike price um, is a big driver of how much uh, volatility there, there will be in that position, uh, how much leverage is in that position, and, and your probability, your odds of, of winning on that position. So again, those are two variables that most novice um, options traders shy away from because they're not sure how to pick the strike price. They're not sure how far out to go in expiration dates. And they're certainly not sure what delta and gamma and theta and vega mean. So um, I try to make it really simple at, at Cycle 9 Alert. I give you all that information. All we're really doing is buying a contract today and, and aiming to sell it for a higher price two to three months down the road. And that's all we do. Now, can you get out of an option early? I mean, if I, if I set a contract for three months down the road and I decide in, in June that I want to sell it and be done with it because I just don't see it happening, can I do that? Absolutely. And I would say 90% of the time, that's what we do, certainly on the profitable trades. Um, th that, and I'm glad you raised that question. We aim to be in a position in Cycle 9 Alert for two to three months. We do that because that's the sweet spot of the momentum algorithm that I designed. We know that our odds of a, of a successful high profit trade are best over that two to three month time period. Anything shorter, we get closer to 50-50. So we're really targeting that two to three month time frame. And what I'll do is when I recommend buying an option contract, I'll recommend one that doesn't expire for five or six months out with the full intention that we will trade out of that option well before it expires. Um, we do that mainly because options are a wasting asset. There's part when you put $300 into an option contract, some of that $300 is going to erode over time. And, and so what we want to do is kind of uh, buy an option contract that's going to erode slowly. And if you give yourself a bit of cushion, if, meaning if you want to hold the option contract for three months and you buy one that doesn't expire for six months, then you have that three-month cushion of time value so that the option doesn't erode as quickly. And that allows you, if you get the meat of the move correctly, meaning if you're making a bullish play and you get a, and you get a, a rise in the stock price uh, quickly enough, then you can more than overcompensate for that, that amount of time to get. 
And I think it's I think that's important to understand because I think when people when you when you mention that you lock in a contract and it's for a certain period of time, I think mentally people have that belief that okay, I've got to hold it for that period of time, and that's not true. You don't. You can sell that at any time, and I think Adam Cycle Nine uh, Cycle Nine Alert Service. Uh, illustrates that and, and a lot of options uh, traders that are that are you know who do it for a living do that they don't hold the contract for the duration uh, that they set it for it's just a, a a buffer if you will and I think that's that's one important thing to uh, to to understand um, Charles I'm gonna I'm gonna lob a softball in your general direction but it's gonna be more of an elementary uh, it's gonna be an elementary school question I'm gonna be the teacher you're gonna answer it for me tell me the difference between a call and a put option sure sure a call option gives you the right but not the obligation to buy a stock at a specified price within a specified time. So if you're bullish on a stock or whatever, you know, commodity, anything, you can buy and you buy a call option. A put option is the opposite of that. It, you're buying the right, but not the obligation to sell at a specified price within a specified time. You can think of a put option as insurance. You're, you're buying insurance uh, because you're worried something may fall in value. Or if you're just bearish and you want to speculate on, on the downside, uh, buying puts is a safer way uh, to speculate on something falling than, than short selling. Um, short selling is uh, one of the riskiest things you can do in the market because you, you always run the risk of getting short squeezed. Now, I know plenty of guys that that are professional short sellers, they manage the risk, they do a fine job, but they'll be the first to tell you the safest way to short something is by buying a put. Okay. All right. And again, I want to try to keep this as simple as possible because again, I, you can't make the assumption that that everyone is as schooled as, as, as you two are or in a smaller degree as I am, I guess, uh, in terms of, of how to play the options game. Um, now, the other thing that I think is, is, is key here is, and what inv all investors look for, and that is returns. How much money can I make? How much money is there to be had by playing, by, by trading options? And what is surprising is that your options gains, if I understand correctly, and Adam, I'm going to let you take this, you know, your options gains can exceed a normal across-the-board stock trade by hundreds of percent. Explain that. Why, why is that? Sure. I mean, there is leverage inherent in options. And what I mean by that is that for a few hundred dollars rather than a few thousand dollars, you can control the same 100 shares of stock as if you had bought it outright. So again, the example is you could either put $10,000 into 100 shares of a $100 stock if you're buying it outright, or you could buy an option contract that may only cost 250 bucks. Okay, so that, that's kind of where the, the leverage is, in, is inherent in that. Now, leverage is a bad word, has a bad connotation. Uh, it's just like the boats. If you know how to use leverage, a modest amount of leverage um, correctly, it can be a great tool. Uh, if you don't know how to use it, then it can certainly lead to, to bad results. But that's why we do all the work for you. Um, so just as a few examples, I mean, right now, currently Cycle 9 uh, readers are in two plays on the biotech sector. One of them is a diversified biotech sector, broad-based sector ETF. Um, so that doesn't move as much as individual stocks. The other is an individual stock within the life sciences space, uh, a company working in genomics. And both of those, um, we've been in those plays for only like two to three weeks at, um, of the past two or three weeks. Um, the ETF has moved around 7%. The, the stock has moved around 10%. 
but both of our option plays are up about 40 to 50%. So that kind of gives you an idea of, you know, roughly five to one, if you get a stock moving 10%, you're probably going to be up about 50% in the option. If you're up 20% in the stock, you may be a double, you may be up 100% in the option. So that's, that's a rough idea of what the leverage is. It's not always five to one, but that's kind of a rough idea of what you get. But the great thing I love about options is, is related to your question is the asymmetry of risk and return. So if you put $250 into an option contract and, and it's just a complete dud, the trade goes completely against you immediately, there's no way to repair it or to salvage it, um, you're going to lose that $250. That is 100% of your initial investment. But on the upside, your, your uh, profit potential is not capped at 100%. You can make 200%, you can make 300%, you can make 400% on an option return. And in fact, we do that routinely. Um, so that's what I like about the asymmetry of that is that you can't lose more than X, but on the upside, you can make two, three, four, five times X. And when you're running a strategy that has better than 50-50 odds over time, that just really, really works in your favor. Yeah, the rewards are 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 almost endless when it when it comes to options. You just you really just have to know what you're doing. I mean, it's just not one of those things you can just sit down on your on your Robinhood or on your Charles Schwab account or or on any account and just say, you know what, I want to buy an option. It, it, you know, you can do that by 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 all means, but you want to be somewhat educated. You want to understand the lingo. That's why I asked Charles, what's the difference between a put and a call? Because there is a difference. And if you put in the wrong one, you're gonna lose your you're gonna lose your investment. If you put in the right one, you have the opportunity to to make 200, 300, 400% gains. It doesn't happen all the time. Let, let's be clear. It does not happen all the time. It's not a, it's not an, an automatic there. You will, you can lose just as much as you, as, as, as many times as you win. But in terms of, of risk, I think the asymmetry of it, as you mentioned, Adam is dead on. And I think that's what should make options a little bit more inviting, especially to beginning investors, because then you're looking at risking much less upfront until you start to become a little more seasoned. But my guess is, is that if you play options from the start and you start seeing those returns like your cycle nine uh, alert portfolio sees or, or, or things like that, you're probably not going to want to trade across the board stocks. You're probably just going to keep playing options because you know, you, you, you know how it works and you know how it is. Um, now, yeah, and I don't want to get on this uh, too much because I think it, it gets really deep, but there are, you mentioned drivers of options and there are a lot of drivers that can push options in one direction or another. And I want to touch briefly on those. Actually, I want you to touch briefly on those, Adam, and, and talk about kind of what those are in a, in a 35,000-foot view of, of what those drivers can be, because there's a lot of them. Sure. I mean, one of them I've already hit on, which is uh, basically time value, or, or what we call theta, uh, as far as the Greeks and, and options are concerned. So basically, that is a value in the option that is going to slowly decay to zero at, at the end of uh, the expiration. So when an option expires, it has $0 worth of time value. And it, what really matters at that point is whether the, the stock is in the money or not. We can cover that another time. But, um, but, but again, that, that's one factor that um, a lot of folks get wrong if they're just trying to go it alone, if they don't know how to incorporate theta or time value into their strategy. Um, so again, I know that the, the window of opportunity for cycle nine trades is two to three months. I pick an option that's five to six months out so that we don't get uh, penalized for the majority of the time value decay that we know happens with options. And that's something that most uh, people don't factor in. So that's one way I factor that in. Another, um, another factor driving the options pricing is called Vega, which is basically volatility or implied volatility. So what happened during the recent Corona, uh, corona crash is that basically um, the, the price that 
real market traders and investors were willing to pay for options went much higher than it had been in recent past. So basically they were saying that they were expecting a ton of volatility ahead and that made buying an option contract more expensive. Anytime you're buying an option contract that has implied volatility today is much greater than the historical volatility of the stock in the past in the rearview mirror, you're basically paying for a rich or an expensive option contract. And if volatility then going forward crushes down, and if the stock isn't as volatile as people were expecting, then that is a significant headwind against your option position. So you're buying it at one price and you're going to have a headwind. Um, and so that's another factor that I really keep an eye on. Um, and that's another factor that retail investors often don't account for. They basically see a stock they like, they think it's going to make a certain move and they might be right. But if that option contract is priced too expensively based on its vega, then they might get the direction of the move correct, but still lose money or make a very little money on the option. That's something I account for when I give a specific options recommendation. I've already checked that we have enough data in the option. I've already checked that the implied volatility is cheap enough to warrant buying that option. And that's frankly why during the media of a crisis, um, basically during the first two to three weeks of March, I was telling subscribers, look, we can't really do much. We don't really need to do much right now. We don't want to be buying new options right now because they're so darn expensive. And the options we do have, they're, they're basically directionally wrong, but they are being pumped up and held up by that, um, by that same factor. So again, if you didn't follow that whole discussion, that's fine, but just take from it. We factor that into our recommendations and we give you the simple specific recommendations that allow you to trade the options, buy in today and hopefully sell them two to three months down the road for more. Charles, I'll, I'll, I'll throw you a question here. Again, I just feel like an elementary school teacher asking questions here. But, um, you know, it, it, are there particular sectors that are good for options as opposed to others, in your opinion? Well, as a general rule, I would say uh, the sectors that tend to move more are a bit more appropriate for options. But really, you can, you can write options on, on anything. Um, they're, they're completely appropriate for any sector. They're just a lot more interesting in the sectors that tend to have a little bit more movement. Uh, I, I would actually like to, 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 to piggyback on something Adam said. Sure. Volatility is sort of a bad word in investing in general. People are just scared of volatility. But if you're in a period of low volatility and you're in options positions and volatility explodes higher, that is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, as, as Adam said, the, the, the options get expensive when there's a lot of uh, implied volatility. So if you're in an option that, that 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 segment of it, that driver of its return, that volatility part, if that blows out, even if you were directionally, you know, your, your trade may have been hit or miss, you could actually make money just on the volatility alone. So uh, volatility is actually the friend of an option buyer. Interesting. That's an interesting take. And I think another takeaway that I think people listening should should have is that, you know, Volatility is not necessarily bad. Uh, it, it, it is. It, it's got a horrible. It's a horrible word, especially when you're talking about the broader market. When you hear volatility, as as an investor who's not a trader, you, you probably start to cringe a lot. And, and that's why you know that's why the VIX the VIX well, volatility. Volatility for the option seller. Well, volatility for the option seller can be a death sentence if you're selling uh, options. And what what Adam does is he he he, he buys them. He's primarily an option buyer. Uh, volatility can be a destination for an option seller, but it can be the best friend of an option buyer. Yeah, and 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 I think one thing to to kind of blanket over this whole conversation is, is that you know options have the potential to be as complex as you want to make them. 
because you know there is a lot to learn, but once you learn it, I, you have it. But it, there is a, there is a, there is a steep learning curve to it. It's not that it's difficult. It's just there's a lot of moving parts that can play a factor in it. So I think when you look at as an investor trying to decide, uh, okay, do I want to do I do I want to get into options because you know Adam said there's 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 big opportunity for gains, um, you know the the risk is relatively low, um, but how do I go about it? Well, you know I think one one way you have to look at it is you have to look at someone like Adam who who does this for a living. Uh, he provides this kind of information to people to say, look, this is what you should buy. This is how you should buy it. This is the ticker you put in. This is this is how you enter the trade. This is the duration of the contract. And oh, by the way, here's why we're doing it. Not just doing it just because Adam said so, but he's actually providing, um, you know, sound rationale as to why that's the case. Um, so I, I think that is a direction that as a new investor, I would certainly look at um, if you're wanting to play into options, uh, you know, he, he, Adam has his cycle nine alert, which, uh, is a, is a actively traded, uh, option service that he provides here, uh, with money in markets. And now I'm, you know, not trying to, not trying to shill it by any stretch, but I mean, really, if it, if it's something that you're wanting to do as you're learning the process, you know, Adam can certainly help you with that. I mean, he's got a, uh, he's got a great trading manual that, that kind of walks through, uh, the rationale of it. We've got resources on money and markets. Uh, I'll, 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 I will shill myself for a second. Um, they'd write an extensive options guide, uh, on money and markets that'll be linked in, in the show notes below, um, that, that you can certainly, uh, you know, take a look at and, and it gives kind of the, the broad overview. But if you're wanting more in-depth information, more, uh, more substance to that other than just, here's what this means, here's what this means. And here's what this means, then, you know, Adam is, is someone that you want to look at as being a provider of that information because he certainly can do that. He has done that and he's got a proven system with cycle nine alert, um, that has, that has paid, you know, his, his followers handsomely. Um, you know, I won't, not going to give away the farm like, like we don't do, but uh, you know, his track record with options is, is, I don't, is, is it better than, than 10 X or is it, is it as good? I, I want to say it's better, but I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to damper that. Is that, is that true? Is your track record better in cycle line? Oh, it's like asking a parent, which child they love more. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're totally different systems for different types of investors. Um, I have plenty of subscribers that are in both services and they use them as a complimentary uh, in combination basically. Cause as a, as the case may be, sometimes when one's doing a little bit better, the other one's not doing as well, and they kind of uh, even out. But um, but really, they're both easy to trade. Both of the systems, my goal was was twofold. Um, it was really to speak to two audiences. I wanted if you wanted to follow the strategy, whether it's Cycle Nine or Ten X Profits, and just follow my simple, specific, crystal clear buy and sell signals without knowing why or without knowing anything under underlying that, that you could follow that with good success. At the same time, I wanted somebody that was maybe more interested in learning the nuts and bolts of options or, or more about learning about market timing and what drives that type of behavior, um, that they could also in the same exact service get enough information to kind of continue learning the, the, in-depth, the in-depth parts of it. Uh, but again, like if you're just wanting to come out and follow the trade signals and, 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 and stack profits over time, um, we can do that as well. But at the same time, I want to, I want you to understand the why, because I found that if an investor understands the why behind the trade they're making, they're a lot more uh, willing to be committed to the trade, which is important. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, we've talked about this before uh, with, with Adam and that is, you know, if you're going to have a system, stick with it. But in order to, to, to get into that system and to, and to have that mental block erased to where you can stick with it, you have to have an understanding of what you're doing. 
and and you know, or at least an understanding of the information that you're reading that Adam provides. And, and, and I think that's key. And, and Adam does that. Um, he, he provides that information on any time that he makes a trade recommendation, uh, whether it's to, to, to buy or sell in, in, in 10X or whether it's to buy an options, uh, an options contract in, in uh, Cycle 9 Alert. You know, there's at least a, 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 a good amount of information saying, okay, I told you to do it. Now here's why I told you to do it. And that way, I think investors would feel more at ease understanding that, okay, that makes sense. I can do that. I, I, I understand that now, and it's, it makes it more tangible for them. So um, I, I think that's a, another great, uh, a, a great thing to point out. So um, if you're wanting more information on, on Adam's services, log into moneyandmarkets.com. If you click at the top, you'll see uh, premium services. Uh, you don't have access to them, but uh, you can certainly kind of get an idea of what they're like. Uh, encourage you to do that. Uh, any, any parting shots, Charles, any, any, anything for the long weekend? You know, I would just say if you, if you've ever been curious about options, but you've been a little bit intimidated by it, or you, you, you're just, you, you were scared to get started because you, you just didn't know how they worked. This is a good opportunity to get your feet wet. Um, Adam will walk you through it. You know, that this is what he does. You know, he walks you through the trade. He helps you understand it. So if you've ever wanted to experiment with options a little, this is your chance. Absolutely. Adam, any, any last shots for the weekend? Yeah, I mean, one thing options allow you to do is get into more plays. So right now, I think that there are going to be, it's going to be a great environment for stock picking uh, with this basically sea change that's been caused by the COVID crisis. There are some industries and sectors and stocks that are just absolutely not going to come out the other side of it. There are other industries and sectors and companies and stocks that are going to be just catapulted higher because of it. And so I really think we're in this kind of bifurcated environment where some, you know, the haves and the have nots. Um, but at the same time, we're going to have a lot of volatility. So you go back to the old adage of diversification. Is it better to own one stock for $10,000 or is it better to own 10 stocks at $1,000 each? Um, it's obviously better to do the latter because you get the, the free lunch of diversification. With options contracts costing so little, $250 or maybe $500 per contract, um, a, a retail investor that may have a smaller dollar account can spread that money across more plays and become more diversified than if they were to put the same amount of money in, in uh, just one stock. So again, I think that it's an ideal environment to, to be able to put uh, more money into, into more plays right now when everything is kind of in flux. Very good. I think it was great points by by both of you, and I, I appreciate you guys coming on today. Uh, make sure, again, uh, you can check us out if you want uh, the podcast downloaded, so you can listen to it on your mobile device or on Alexa. I found out, apparently, you can listen to our podcast on Alexa. I didn't even know that. Um, but uh, you can do so. We are on uh, Apple Podcasts. We are on Google Podcasts. We are on Spotify. Uh, now we are on iHeart Music, uh, and we are on a, a various, a vast other number of podcast uh, hosting platforms that I didn't even know existed until I started this so that's uh that's interesting also you can check us out on youtube subscribe to the channel uh by all means you get updates on on when we post videos we're gonna be start rolling out uh, more and more videos as uh, as time goes on so make sure you uh, stay ahead of the curve and get ready for that um adam appreciate the time thank you for coming on charles you as well and i hope you guys uh, all have a great holiday and uh, we will certainly talk to you guys all next week until then this has been the bull and the bear podcast i'm matt clark and have a, have a great weekend and safe trading. You've been listening to The Bull and the Bear, a money and markets podcast. Tune in each week to hear insights on how to make investing safe and profitable for you.